You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hi, welcome back. It's episode eight of Grow Yourself Up. Thank you so much for being here with me. A few of you have sent me questions you'd like me to answer um, over the course of the podcast, and I will get to those. Thank you so much. And if anyone else has something they'd like me to cover, please do send me an email. You can send it to kath at psychotherapymum.com. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please can you leave a rating and a review on the platform you listen on so that others can find it. I understand that makes a big difference to other people finding the podcast. Thank you so much. So this week, we're going to talk about co-regulation, our windows of tolerance, and how these are formed in our early years. I think this is a really, really important thing to talk about because psychoeducation is one of the ways that we can actually calm ourselves and soothe ourselves. So if we notice that we have big reactions in certain situations or we consistently do things in our lives um, that don't help us, like we keep on being attracted to the same bad relationships or we're unable to leave a job we're struggling with, it's a lot about the way we are actually regulated and being regulated enough to feel safe to make changes. Generally, psychoeducation is really important because it helps us understand our reactions and our responses, and therefore we can remove shame because so many of us carry around this core of shame, and that kind of toxic shame gives us the idea that there's something wrong with us, and there's nothing wrong. It's, it's, it's shame, and so let's deconstruct that shame together, and I think really that thing about information as power is really true in this case because when you are talking to yourself, and I know that we all talk to ourselves, you know, you can soothe yourself with information. So I'm trying to arm you with information so that you can parent yourself, reparent yourself. So very simply, the window of tolerance is a band of arousal in which we function well. And the arousal refers to our physiological state. So our blood pressure is in a reasonable band. Our temperature is, we're not too hot or not too cold. Our heart rate is um, in a normal range. 
we're not sweating a lot and bodily processes that are ongoing all the time, like our digestion are continuing. Because when we go into a fight or flight response, different things happen. Our blood and oxygen goes towards mobilizing a threat response. So when we're in our window of tolerance, we're not operating from our threat response, essentially. And importantly, one more thing to add is that when we're in our window of tolerance, our frontal lobes, our frontal cortex is managing the emotional part of our brain. So we are able to think rationally. We have the ability to use our executive functioning and planning parts of our brain. And we don't fly off the handle in this state because we have control. We're managing our emotions. This is a term from Dan Siegel, and I really like the way he talks about the features of our window of tolerance. He says that in our window of tolerance, we can be flexible, we can be adaptive, we can be coherent, we feel energized, and we're fairly stable. So think about those, flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable. He uses the acronym FACES for when we're in our window of tolerance. So that's that band of optimal functioning where we are, those characteristics. And I think that's a really nice way to think about how can we be all of those things, flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable. Now, our window of tolerance is essentially built when we are young. So in the house that we grew up in, our family of origin, our nervous system is shaped in relation to the nervous systems around us. So if we had parents or caregivers who were constantly flying off the handle or very dissociated, emotionally unavailable, shut down, maybe they raged a lot, maybe they drank a lot, maybe they were just completely shut down from their feelings, we will not have a wide window of tolerance because we grew up around narrow windows of tolerance. The way that our window of tolerance is built is via co-regulation. So let's just step back to the beginning about regulating or self-regulation. So when you're first born and you're a tiny baby, you need to be co-regulated by your caregiver, your mum, all of the time. I really love this term, self-regulating other. That's a term from Daniel Stern. He's got a book called The Interpersonal World of the Infant. It's quite an old book from like the 1980s but it's a really lovely book. And he uses the term self-regulating other. So he talks about how the mum is the self-regulating other for the baby. These days, you see a lot of the use of the word co-regulation, which I'll also go on to explain, but I think it's really helpful to think about the self-regulating other when the baby's first born, because the baby doesn't know anything. All they can register is sensations, bodily sensations. And the only way that they can communicate is by crying or using other um, vocalizations. So the mum uses both her nervous system and her frontal cortex to figure out what's going on with her baby. So essentially the baby borrows the frontal cortex of the mum and her nervous system. And over time, the baby then internalizes some of the ability to regulate themselves. So what that means is when you cry, when you're a baby, your mum will think, you know, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you cold? Are you hot? Do you have a sore tummy? Do you have a dirty nappy? Or are you sick? There's not that many things that, you know, are happening for babies. Although I'm going to say it's quite simple. It's not simple, but it's a very intense process of raising a child. But in the beginning, we generally can run through all of those things in our minds and then tend to the baby. So the baby's not doing any thinking around that. So can you see that the mum is using her frontal cortex and she'll pick up the baby and she'll put the baby on her chest 
or maybe she's wearing it in a sling on her front or a pouch. And maybe the dad is also doing this. And then the mum will talk in a gentle voice. She may sing. She'll use gentle touch because we've got very sensitive receptors in our skin and we'll be able to feel, you know, we can make sense of the fact that we're being soothed. And that'll be the way that that baby gets regulated down. So through literally millions and millions of interactions like that, because think about all the way throughout the day, the baby will go in and out of crying. They'll need to have their nappy changed. They'll need to be fed. They'll be hot because suddenly the sun comes out or they'll be cold on their walk. And the mum will engage her frontal cortex, think about what's going on and soothe the baby using some of what I've talked about. And then over time, that baby becomes more able to regulate, you know, as, as they grow up. Now, co-regulation refers to the fact that it's a process by which we send and receive signals of safety. And those signals of safety, that's the language of polyvagal theory. So when we've received sufficient co-regulation in childhood, we have a wider window of tolerance and we are able to neurocept safety in more situations. So we feel safe in situations, even if it's a bit chaotic around us, because we know we are safe. And co-regulation connects two nervous systems together so they can regulate each other. So I want to put in a sort of a caveat here around, if you have a baby who is, so in South Africa, sometimes they use this term high needs, highly sensitive baby, then they will have a much more sensitized nervous system and they may require a lot more regulation. So it makes it therefore harder because you have to work harder to calm the baby because either they can be very agitated or they're always crying or they need a lot of help going to sleep. I remember when my sister had her first daughter, she was named a high needs baby and she needed a lot of help going to sleep. They would often drive her in the car to help her sleep. And when she would sleep at home, they would often use this like vibrating massage thing to help her sleep because that would help calm her. Our twins are highly sensitive and have always required a lot of help going to sleep. And so the co-regulation, even, you know, when we were acting as the self-regulating other, right from the beginning, it was impactful on my nervous system because it required so much of me. So really just notice that, notice that it's a bi-directional flow. Even though we're doing all the regulating, we are impacted by them, as in our babies and children. But you can see that even straight from the beginning, it's not purely a self-regulating other because the baby's nervous system is giving you cues about how you need to regulate. I hope that makes sense. So the Daniel Stern term of self-regulating other, we also need to consider that what's what's happening in the baby's nervous system will be very impactful for the mum and caregiver and may require a lot more co-regulation. I guess what I want to say about that is that being the self-regulating other is exhausting and intense when you have a high needs or highly sensitive baby. Okay, so now we understand a bit about our window of tolerance. So our window of tolerance will be built by all of these interactions we have with our caregivers. So if they are responsive and attuned enough of the time, remember it's not all of the time, it's just enough of the time, we will learn, oh, I'm safe in this situation. Someone will come, they're going to help me, and I will return to a state of feeling comfortable in my body. That's why it's really an embodied state, because it's all sensation-based initially. 
because our brain is not developed. Our brain literally grows in relationship exponentially in the first two years of our life and then continues at a really rapid pace. Our frontal cortex, I think it matures around the age of 25. So this process of co-regulation continues always. And you'll notice as your children get older, they are more able to regulate themselves. So if they fall in the playground, the first time they fall in the playground, they might cry for a long, long time and need a lot of soothing and need you to really be there for them, you know, in their distress. And then as they get older and they have a little trip or something, or they graze their knee or stub their toe, it becomes less dramatic. They are more able to cope if they have an upset or they spill their water, depending on how you have dealt with their spilled water, they will just be able to go, oh, whoopsie, I spilled my water. Let me go and wipe it. Or please, can you help me? And with emotional things as well, when they're hungry, they will be able to tolerate the discomfort in their tummy for a little bit longer as they get older. If they are tired, you'll notice that a tiny baby, when they're tired, it's catastrophic. You know, it, it's really for their little system. It's, it's a really hard thing to bear. And then they can cry a lot and get very dysregulated. And that's the case for a lot of young children. Then as they get a little bit older, they can cope more with being a bit out of routine or being a little bit tired, they become better regulated. You'll notice they will still need uh, regulation. We all need regulation, uh, co-regulation, but um, they 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 start to develop the capacity for themselves. And you now, as you go about your life, you also you can probably um, operate as your own regulating. You know, you you can you can regulate yourself by yourself for much of the time. And we all still need the contact of other humans. We need to um, phone someone up when something exciting has happened. If we're feeling really sad, human connection makes us feel a lot better. We feel seen, we feel heard, we feel supported. But when we haven't had enough experiences of co-regulation in childhood, we typically have a narrow window of tolerance. And that's impactful in many ways. If we think back to um, what Dan Siegel said about um, the, the characteristics we exhibit when we are in our window of tolerance, if we are not, if we do not have a wide window, it basically means we go out of our window of tolerance a lot of time, a lot of the time. So our experience of life can feel quite jarring because so much dysregulates us. And coming into parenting in that situation is very complex because the actual experience of being a parent then is, is very emotionally invasive because it constantly feels like you're being pushed out of your window of tolerance. Now, I want to say something here. You may not have realized that you were not well regulated before parenthood because many of us do other things um, to regulate ourselves. So we work really hard. Maybe we exercise a ton. I did a ton of shopping. We eat. We drink. We overwork. I used to like do a lot of working because that somehow seems to manage it regulates us essentially. So we do other things. Perhaps we zone out on social media. Perhaps we watch loads and loads of TV. Perhaps we just work so that we exhaust ourselves or we, um, you know, there's many, many things that we do um, to regulate ourselves in the absence of true emotional regulation. I've had a long running challenge on Instagram called, are we widening our window or setting ourselves up? We want to be widening our window of tolerance for many things in parenthood to actually be able to be present for our children, to be able to cope with their behavior, because much of 
the behavior that our children exhibit can be very jarring and push you out of your window of tolerance. And so we want to be aiming to be more flexible, more adaptive, more coherent, feeling energized and feeling more stable in our lives. Now, the, the COVID-19 pandemic um, will have had the impact, the, the sort of would have had the um, effect, sorry, of um, reducing our windows of tolerance for many years. Even if you think about once you started to come out of lockdown and started to go back out again, you had to get used to that again. So you can also see that as um, your window of tolerance for going out had lessened. And we have to widen our window um, around children's behavior, around our expectations often, around um, letting them do things that we may, that may uh, make us feel anxious. And I'm going to go into all of this in, in a lot more detail, but I really want to say that we can widen our window. I have widened my own window of tolerance significantly in parenthood. There are things that we can do on a daily basis to help um, widen our window like over time. And there's also things that we want to be doing moment to moment to help us manage. So I'm going to talk about that more broadly, getting more sleep, exercising, making sure you are hydrated enough that you've had enough to eat. Those are things over time to build into your day and your week. Um, particularly the exercise thing, um, or any sort of movement that will widen your window of tolerance over time and enough sleep. Now, obviously in parenthood, it's incredibly difficult to get enough sleep. So that's why I also always want to stress that you need to be gentle with yourself. We don't just kind of suddenly go from having a narrow window of tolerance to having a wide window of tolerance. This is also why rage may come up more because of the narrow window of tolerance. So we'll get into talking about this, but for the moment, just know that it can be changed. Um, when we, receive more co-regulation we um, and we're getting more signs of safety, we are able to have a wider window of tolerance. So think about when you go to the park with someone or when you have another adult with you, you're probably able to cope with more. So have a think about in your own life, what you can build in like on a day-to-day basis, week to week, how can you um, support yourself maybe first thing in the morning to start to make little incremental shifts to widen your window. Um, as always, there will be journal questions for this episode. And um, please go gently, go kindly into your days. Take care. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.